Hey guys, it's C.S. Joseph with csjoseph.life to another episode for season 17. This is season 17, episode 17. What is cognitive focus? Uh, but this episode will be focusing on shadow or shadow focus. Uh, this is going to be one of the absolute most important lectures I ever do. And uh, I know I've been gone recently. Uh, I apologize for that, but I've been really uh, dealing with uh, poor health and uh, as well as some additional drama in my life as of late. Uh, and, uh, and that drama is creating the stress which is inducing my health issues because I have chronically active Epstein-Barr virus and the best way to beat that is to sleep uh, every, all day, every day, for weeks, uh, etc. But anyway, be that as it may, um, my dog is also in here making a lot of noise so I apologize for that in advance. And unlike regular lectures, this is season 17, which means this is the live lecture season. Uh, most of the lectures in this season are based are live, and uh, the gold uh, members uh, who are at csjoseph.life forward slash members uh, get the opportunity to watch this as I deliver the lecture and are given a nice Q&A session at the end. So when you're watching this video, understand that uh, as I end the lecture, might want to stick around and listen to the Q&A as well uh, at the end and everybody who is watching will have the opportunity uh, to uh, you know do that so that being said we got uh, Candace and Danae, uh, Josh and Walter uh, uh, in the house tonight so as well as some various other people so how are you doing I thank you for coming and uh, also my camera kind of screwed up a little bit today so I'm not able to uh, manage it it's because uh, for some reason Logitech enjoys updating itself at random and every time an update occurs the software breaks until you install the new update and it's a huge hassle but I mean hey I guess they enjoy uh, you know alienating their customers so but it's all good we can still do this lecture so so anyway, with that being said what exactly is cognitive focus? And please tell me in the live chat if you guys can actually hear me. Like, that would be nice. Uh, I'd like that. But, uh, uh, so, what is cognitive focus? Cognitive focus is something that most people don't really know about. And um, I think uh, cognitive focus is one of the things that uh, the Enneagram uh, tries to explain. I also maintain that cognitive focus is something that objective personality via the jumper system or the subtyping system also tries to explain. So, but that's not actually fundamentally what is happening. Uh, and uh, if uh, I can get an opportunity to actually explain uh, what is exactly happening, uh, I think that's what I'm going to do here on my screen. But uh, let's, um, let's pick a type, any random type. Let's do... Um, Let's see here. Let's do, I don't know, let's do an INTJ tonight. Let's do an INTJ example for this cognitive focus, etc. So cognitive focus, and uh, we're going to get an INTJ in here. I'm going to do NI hero, TE parent, FI child, expert sensing inferior, expert intuition nemesis, TI critic, uh, FE trickster and SI demon and then obviously this is the ego this is the shadow aka the unconscious and then we have the super ego right here 
and then we have the uh, the subconscious uh, right here. This is pretty awesome, but uh, oh, let's actually uh, let's add in the rest of the functions before we forget, because chances are I will forget. Um, so S I F E T I N E. All right. So we have an INTJ on paper. Now, remember folks, uh, you have uh, cognitive gateways. Uh, cognitive gateways are utilized for cognitive transition uh, and the gateways uh, are this function, this function, this function, and this function down here. So we have the hero, the inferior, or the infant, uh, this is the uh, the nemesis or the villain, and then we have the demon down here, which is fantastic. Uh, these are cognitive gateways, and what the cognitive gateways do is that they gate uh, directly into uh, the mind, like so, or they go into here. Oops, that was a really bad drawing. Or goes into this way, like so. Um, or it uh, goes into this way here, and then uh, this way goes in this direction as well. Uh, and that's basically the pathways. Um, now, cognitive gateways often are basically no different than neural pathways. And neural pathways through uh, nature versus nurture, let's write that down. Um, Okay, so nature uh, plus nurture uh, equals um, um, neural pathways. So we'll just say pathways. And, uh, and pathways also equals gateways. Gateways are essentially neural pathways. And it's this two-way street, uh, potentially. Although predominantly, they're mostly a one-way street. Um, uh, and I think uh, in some cases the streets are uphill and some of them are downhill depending on the situation. It's a very downhill street for the hero function. It's a very uphill street for the uh, uh, infant function, uh, for the nemesis function. It's uh, uh, potentially uphill as well. And the demon function is very downhill as well. So. Keep that in mind, um, and then don't forget also uh, the cognitive attitudes that are attached to them. So with the hero, uh, um, you know, uh, with the infant, okay, so infant you have fear, you have worry down here, uh, you have hatred down here, etc. for like the negative uh, gateways, the negative pathways that you could develop in your brain. And then you have um, uh, like, uh, let's see, irresponsibility. Um, at the top, irresponsibility for the hero function. And this is basically the behaviors that these functions exhibit within their cognitive attitudes when they are underdeveloped, basically. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, it is, it is what it is in that direction. Um, would you stop? Man, this dog is loud. No, no. Uh, so with that being said, um, with the subconscious, no, please, silly dog. Okay, so uh, 
he's just trying to be cute and he's like oh he's talking to someone that means there's someone else in the room and i can leverage that attention as much as i can because you know i'm an entp and i like to manipulate everybody as much as possible <laughs> All right, so these are the cognitive gateways. And no, I'm not trying to draw a swastika, so like, no need to point that out. Although swastika symbology, I think definitely does apply to the four sides of the mind, technically speaking. So just might wanna keep that in mind. Uh, but, uh, and that even goes back to, like, to the original meaning of the swastika before it was uh, like, you know, adopted by the Nazi party. So just think about that for, you know, trying to be like as realistic and original to the symbology itself. You know what I mean? So with that being said, these are the cognitive gateways and these represent uh, neural pathways. And we've been talking a lot in season 19 and season 22 about neural pathways. We also talked about it heavily in our Ruby conferences. I believe we did in February, 2020 was our how to rewire your brain conference. And we discussed how when rewiring your brain, it's really hard to do so. Uh, and it's done through nature versus nurture. And the pathway for nature is done uh, this way. So to develop uh, your brain through nature, this is literally your own uh, personal, uh, personal growth. Uh, however, uh, for nurture development, that's completely different. And this gives us uh, something like uh, it's external growth, basically, but not really so much external growth it's more like uh, how a person uh, deals with a deals with the outside world, basically. How a person uh, deals with uh, outside world, um, and then uh, personal growth uh, you have uh, right here, and this is you know the internal world. How does a person deal with their internal world? Now let's talk about society for a second. The United States of America, as well as Western society as we know, is the most stressed society in the world. It makes a lot of sense. They force us into these bullshit nuclear families that don't have the benefits of raising children in multi-generational homes, for example. They also take away our buying power with our dollar by printing money consistently. So our mother, our, our, it becomes, uh, we have to do a lot more work and work more time in order to, aim, uh, to earn basically less money and then uh, our money's not worth as much, so it takes a lot more money, thus a lot more time, to purchase foods or things that we need to even raise our nuclear families. And then we're outsourcing the education of our children to society and ultimately the state and the government, etc., so that the state and government end up staying in power over time because of the fact that families, especially the nuclear family, because it's it's not so it's not socially acceptable in the United States of America to have multi generational families which they should, because if you notice that the countries out there who have either multi-generational families or, uh, um, or very, very large families where many hands make light work, people actually are technically less stressed. In the United States of America, men, for example, have the pressure to get a woman and it's their rite of passage. They have to get their own transportation, their own job, and their own place to live, basically, in order for any woman to respect them. Whereas you can go somewhere like Jordan or Palestine or Israel, for example, and you can get married and then you move in with her parents, basically. You know what I'm saying? Or she moves in with your family and it doesn't matter who has their own place, etc. It's a completely less stressful situation. You know what I'm saying? 
So the bottom line is, is that when it comes to nature and nurture, your neural pathways develop based on uh, you know, how you use your gateways for cognitive transition. If you want to learn more about that, you need to view season 22 or season 19. Season 22 is basically season 19 light-ish. It's like very, very light. But season 19 goes way, way deeper, especially on the personal growth end. Uh, you know, uh, to, to kind of help you develop your nature and reach enlightenment and uh, uh, reach cognitive integration because the four sides of your mind are completely disjointed and disintegrated. And over time, you're trying to use your cognitive gateways, develop your cognitive gateways, develop your neural pathways in a healthy manner versus an unhealthy manner, aka an orderly manner versus a chaotic manner, for example. So... Um, so like, uh, let's put that in here right here. So healthy equals orderly, right? Uh, or good. Uh, and then unhealthy equals, uh, disorderly, uh, or chaotically, basically, uh, chaotic. Um, and I don't want to like be quoting chaotica from Star Trek Voyager while I'm talking about this. So, um, uh, anyway... The point is, is that uh, neural pathways are being built at all times in our brains. It doesn't matter. The difference is, is that a human being has to make the decision at some point in their life to build, be the one to build their own pathways and where they actually allow their nature to take over and their nature uh, makes personal growth the priority instead of external growth. What does external growth mean? External growth, another fancy term for external growth is basically this. It is a form of adaptation. That's what it is. It's adaptation. It's an adapt, you know, you're adapting to your situation. So what cognitive focus is, is that over time in your life, this and it begins immediately upon the point that you become conscious, whenever that is. Uh, but uh, immediately upon becoming conscious, your brain is writing itself, kind of like a computer, writing its own source code, as it were, building itself, growing, essentially, and it's building neural pathways. Now, when this happens, you can have good habits or bad habits, good behavior, bad behavior, and whatnot. So neural pathways and, and, and maintaining your neural pathways, aka maintaining your cognitive gateways, are absolutely critical to your own personal growth. Absolutely critical. Because, for example, if you have more developed uh, gate, uh, if you're developing your pathways under an unhealthy or disorderly or a chaotic use of cognitive transitions, then you will develop habits of fear, habits of irresponsibility, habits of worry, habits of hatred. But then if you're developing those pathways in a healthy, orderly manner, which is definitely a lot harder, you'll be very responsible. You will be uh, very humble and you won't be afraid of things. You will have courage. Uh, you won't be worried about things. Instead, you will actually be certain and you'll have certainty in your life. And then uh, you won't be carrying a bunch of hatred with you. You instead will be loving. You'll be very loving to your fellow man. And these things are very attainable to you on a... Um, on a you know on a very consistent basis but you have to make the choice because the default is the default the default right here is that everyone ends up focusing on external growth this is the default 
So the default is, and that's very nurture oriented. So human nature if focuses on personal growth, but human nurture focuses on adaptation and adapting to people, adapting to the situation. It focuses on external growth. And all of these things are very important in knowing, absolutely important in knowing, because uh, what do I mean by loving, says today? Well, the, the demon function is the hatred function, but it's also the love function, uh, and it becomes a function of love after a while if you're able to reach uh, cognitive integration and enlightenment, which is heavily explored in Season 19. So I recommend you watch Season 19. Um, so keep that in mind. If you don't have Season 19 because you weren't able to get a membership on or before June 1st, etc., that's okay. Don't worry. It will be made available again. Prob it will be made available as soon as the test releases, I believe. So as soon as the test releases, we're going to make it available again, but in a different format. Uh, and there will be a fee attached to it. So all those that are grandfathered in, you don't have to worry about that. You're already good to go. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so yeah, uh, basically the function has to learn over time to stop hating its fellow man and instead love their neighbor as their self. And that's basically the entire purpose of the demon function and its journey in life. Okay, fair enough. So, but anyway, cognitive focus, like what is cognitive focus? Cognitive focus is literally caused by people either obtaining and focusing on their personal growth or focusing on their external growth. Either way, it's a form of adaptation. <laughs> people adapt to their life based on uh, making personal growth the uh, priority or external growth, managing other people, managing situations, managing things externally from their lives instead of internally. You can kind of compare this to like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, etc. And self-actualization is more close to allowing yourself to develop based on your nature and not allowing yourself to develop based on nurture. This is like someone getting involved in a church or a church cult and then destroying other people's lives as a result. And they're not exactly aware that they're doing this because they're very external focused. and They're getting other people, especially their children like me, uh, to become external focused. And, you know, that's basically my relationship with my mother, uh, you know, at, growing up, that is. Uh, so, etc. Um but, but yes, and as Walter Tabuaba said, uh, something you would give your life for, like a magnet for your compass to set forth. Good point, sir. Uh, uh, yes, uh, thank you for pointing that out during this lecture. Uh, but yeah, it's all about neural pathways, guys, gateways. And the thing is, is that neural pathways can be influenced directly by your own nature. Uh, they can also be, but they're actually mostly, you know, you know, impacted by nurture. However, you as an individual, you have free will and you have to make the decision at some point in time what you're going to allow yourself to become more influenced by. Now, if you're like an FI hero, for example, with TE inferior, if your TE inferior is so insecure about things, you're going to allow yourself to be externally influenced by human nurture such that your neural pathways will be more based on human nurture influences, outside influences instead of internal influences. Now, this is an INTJ example. So with the INTJ, what that looks like is, is that they will put all of their focus on performing well in front of others and essentially end up developing bad behaviors like trading their performance and trading performance in exchange for uh, loyalty, even though that's actually a manipulative covert contract. You know what I'm saying? Unless they actually directly tell someone, hey, I'm going to perform for you, but you better stick around. 
or or whatever stipulation thereof, etc. That's how expert sensing inferior works. The thing is, is that is it are they performing for themselves or are they performing for someone else? An example of it being nature focused and having the neural pathway that is appropriate to expert sensing aspirational instead of extroverted sensing infant. What the INTJ needs to stop doing, it needs to stop competing with other people. It needs to stop competing with other people. It needs to stop performing for other people. And instead, it needs to focus on performing for themselves. I told an INTJ recently, you need to set up life in such a way where you stop competing with others. And I don't care if you're aware of it or not. You naturally compete with others. You naturally are in love with yourself. And people pick up on that. And people naturally understand that you're actually very competitive and the most competitive of all the types, whether or not you're willing to admit that or not. But you need to stop comparing yourself to other people because that's what expert sensing inferior does. It compares itself to what other people are doing and how other people are performing and measuring their own performance against them. What the INTJ needs to do to have a proper healthy, orderly use of their gateway to develop healthy neural pathways in their mind to develop healthy cognitive focus in their mind is that they need to compare themselves against themselves. Here's an example of what that looks like. The INTJ just has a deal with themselves that they are better than they were yesterday. They are comparing themselves to their behavior on the previous day and that they are better today than they were yesterday. That is how extroverted sensing inferior should be living its life. But no, we have to compare ourselves to everybody else. It's just, it is what it is. And it's really lame that that's kind of how things happen. So how do you deal with that? Well, you have to make sure that you're wiring your brain properly with the correct neural pathways by using your cognitive gateways in a healthy, orderly manner. But how does that affect cognitive focus? Okay, that's basic cognitive transitions, and I'm kind of laying down this foundation so you guys understand, but how does that affect cognitive focus? Sometimes in people's lives, and it almost always has to do with childhood, okay? Childhood is a major issue because when it comes to childhood, we don't, oft, we don't get a choice. Children don't get a choice. They don't choose their parents. They don't choose their name. They don't choose their gender. They don't choose these things, okay? And because they don't choose these things, it becomes, uh, it becomes very difficult on children, which means children generally have to submit to their parents and submit to older siblings and submit to grandparents and submit to adults. And they often have to submit. And then they end up developing habits of influence because they don't have any actual real power and they influence adults in order to get what they want. But they have to adapt. This is why children, wait, everybody out there starts developing their pathways, their neural pathways being externally focused instead of internally focused. And the most internally focused of all the types, guess what? It's an INFP. And even then, an INFP still becomes insanely externally focused because they have to learn manipulation or influence-based tactics in order to influence adults in order for them to get their needs met or what they want. You know what I'm saying? Again, refer to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, refer to Frederick Nietzsche's description of needs versus wants. All of these things are relevant resources when you're considering this aspect of psychology. You need to understand this, okay, and take it to heart. But the difference is, 
is that everybody starts off, like I said, by default, focusing on external growth instead of personal growth and managing expectations of others or managing perceptions in front of others or managing feelings of others or managing performance in front of others in some capacity, right? Be it a child function or their inferior function, be it their hero function or even their parent function. This happens as a child. And because of that, cognitive focus starts to develop because the brain gets used to using various neural pathways. If they're healthy or unhealthy, it happens. You can have an unhealthy focus. You can have a healthy focus. It can happen. But a cognitive focus is a cognitive focus. And it's because over time, your brain, just like it has a preferred ego, it develops a preference for which side of the mind to use, okay? It develops a preference, all right? And this preference uh, is basically based on whether or not a person has put all of their cognitive energy into their external growth or their personal growth, right? It's one or, the, thank you, it's one or the other, okay? Personal growth, external growth, because people put in a lot of energy. So let's look at it this way. Let's look at a little visual example on the whiteboard here. I'm gonna use blue ink for this. Actually, no, I'm gonna use a purple, bluish rainbow color, okay? Uh, so, and then uh, I don't remember John Bodine. I don't remember specific. So we're, I'm putting in this little swirly right here, but see this as like cognitive energy. See this as like, um, like water. See it as like your soul or soul energy, right? Um, um, Ryatsu, or um, you know, or key, you know that, or um, chakra, those kinds of things. Your soul, your soul energy. Uh, that so, and then what this energy does is it's all in this ego, right? But then it goes through the gateway, and then it's all in the subconscious, right? Or it's going through the this gateway, and it's all in the ego, or it goes into the super ego, or maybe it's spread thinly over here, or maybe it's concentrated a lot in the ego, etc., And it's going through these irrigation pipes here or here or down here, these irrigation pipes, these neural pathways, these cognitive gateways, etc. right? That's where all this soul energy is going, okay? So you need to be aware that that's generally how this works. Now, water flows downhill, right? So you gotta see the soul energy as water. And an unhealthy, disorderly cognitive transition through a gateway sends your soul energy, the soul water, through this gateway in a downward motion. It's, it's because it's easy. But then being able to develop a way where you can actually control your soul energy in such a way where you're providing pressure, so it creates pressure so it can launch further, then it can actually go upstairs and get into aspiration instead of downstairs, which is the direction of fear on the second gateway, for example, right? It's all about pressure. Hockey, yeah, thank you, Walter. Thank, thank you very much. Uh, so with that being said, uh, like, you guys got to be aware that this is a, a thing. It's a phenomenon. It's like the, uh, you know, it's like the, the electrons. It's the, it's the electricity because we are electrical beings within our nervous system. It's the electricity within our nervous system. Uh, so just, just be aware of that. And neural pathways 
have to be built if you want to be able to aspire or become responsible or become certain or, or be a loving person. You have to build them. But, you know, the unhealthy ones, by default, are, are the, the easy path. This is why Jordan Peterson says in 12 Rules for Life, do what is meaningful and not expedient. Because you have literal, meaningful, meaningful neural pathways, meaningful gateways, meaningful uses of your gateways, or you have expedient ones, right? And most people are expedient. The problem is people are predisposed as children to create expedient neural pathways at the same time as they're dealing with their external growth, right? And this is why in the United States of America, we have people who are shadow focused, right? Okay, let's, let's, let's unpack that for a second here, okay? Let's unpack uh, cognitive focus. So when you are using your soul energy, right, as you're moving it around within your mind through your cognitive gateways to basically fill up the little buckets known as cognitive functions, etc., cetera, uh, within your head, and you're moving these things around, and you're moving this energy around, and maybe the energy is being moved by somebody else outside of you, that's nurture. Maybe you are the one moving it around inside of yourself, that's nature, for example. You got to understand the introverted versus the extroverted uh, perspectives. If Jung was here, he'd be very happy that we're doing this, and he'd probably be really comfortable sipping tea right now instead of turning over in his grave while all these other weird uh, MBTI people in the blogosphere think they know what the hell they're talking about, and the reality situation is they don't, but that's another story. But the, the point is, is that based on this, your cognitive focus is ultimately where you spend your soul energy the most. That's where it is. Wherever you put it the most, that's what your cognitive focus is. So think of cognitive focus as a secondary mental preference. Your primary mental preference is your ego. But your secondary mental preference could be your subconscious or it could be your shadow. Now, often people ask, is there such thing as a super ego uh, uh, secondary preference? Is there such thing as a super ego cognitive focus? Technically, no. Technically, no. There is not. There is not. No, technically, no. Although people can transition into it easier over time, and it seems like it can be a focus. No, really, at the end of the day, someone is subconscious focused or they are shadow focused. The reason why is because in childhood, a, per a person doesn't even begin to develop their superego until adolescence. And as much as they don't begin to develop their parent function until adolescence, the superego doesn't even really start forming that much until adolescence. This is why when you see really, really young children, they don't have very much sin nature. They don't have very much human condition or the human flaw, but they have a lot of it in the adolescence because the superego is out. It's there. Hi, superego. Whoa, hello. And their brain is trying to build the neural pathways within itself on how to deal with the superego's presence in the mind because it has the strongest presence in adolescence. And their brains haven't developed the neural pathways or the, or the gateways such that to be able to deal with the superego quite well. And this is especially important because there's no such thing as rites of passage for men. Or, uh, and we have this thing called feminism affecting women, for example, within Western society, which is making this entirely worse and stunting everyone's growth. 
As a result, the human brain is predisposed to create expedient pathways instead of meaningful pathways. Thank you, Jordan Peterson, uh, even though I don't like him and he's a globalist, but that's another story. Um, and I really hope he like creates a video response saying, no, I'm not a globalist. That would make my day. I'd be super happy for him to prove to everyone why he's not a globalist. That would be nice, even though a lot of his friends are globalists, and I just think that's absolutely ridiculous. You know, like, uh, you can look at a man and look at a man's friends and kind of see what kind of man you're dealing with. You know what I'm saying? You are what you gaze upon, right? Um, so, anyway. So, is the superego something we are conscious of? It can get into consciousness. It can. But what you're conscious of is basically your ego, but your secondary, uh, your, your secondary preference, your primary preference is your ego. Your secondary preference within your development can also become conscious, if not be conscious most of the time, and you can be kind of transitioning. This is actually one of the reasons why it is so hard, it's so hard to, um, um, it's actually why it's so hard to type people. It's so, it's so hard to, for people to type themselves because cognitive focus is not represented in tests. Cognitive focus, the secondary preference is not there. And that's why they can end up identifying with two types. And oftentimes those two types are either a subconscious or a shadow of the type that they're looking at, oftentimes. And it's extremely common, if not the most common way to mistype, is specifically because cognitive focus gets completely ignored by the MBTI or the typology community on the internet. And then as a result, most people end up being mistyped. This is why MBTI tests are only one out of five accurate. 20% accuracy. That's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Okay. This is also why when you have a certain type who is an ego, you have somebody who is in their shadow or shadow focus, but have the same ego and they behave differently, which also, you know, causes, um, there's, uh, it also causes, um, you know, uh, you know, so, some additional problems thereof, you know, they, it becomes, you know, expedient after a while. So let's look, let's look back into child development here. As a child, you know, birth order matters, uh, who, what types of your parents matter. And let's look, let's look at, let's look at my family growing up as a child. My, uh, my mother is a crusader type. My sister is a crusader type. My dad is a Templar type. Everyone in the family are FE users. And, Everyone in the family is competing for the position of the one who re receives recognition, right? And amongst the crusaders, the, us three crusaders are competing for my dad wanting us. Thus, my dad, and my dad has all the attention in the world. He's got three SI users from which to draw attention from, so he's all good. He's happy. But he doesn't get very much recognition much because the rest of his family, his nuclear family, is starving for uh, recognition because they're all FE users. Oh wait, this is an example as to why nuclear family is a bad thing. I tell you the truth, the nuclear family is bad. You'd be better off living in a polyamorous tribal society than living in a nuclear family. And I think currently in terms of what in of the current social zeitgeist of planet Earth, the most effective and efficient form of family on this planet is a multi-generational family all under one roof. I think that's the wisest decision. It provides 
everyone with an opportunity to get things done. It provides tons of cognition available to everyone in the family so no one is overly stressed or overly taxed or no one feels like their needs aren't being met. You know what I'm saying? It's very important, right? So keep that keep that in mind. Um uh, so the shadow, you know, so as a result, children are put into this nuclear family. And let me tell you how children are supposed to be raised. Children are supposed to be raised, when parents are raising children, anyone is raising a child, they're supposed to put all of their focus on, you guessed it, the inferior function. The inferior function is for raising a child. Then when you and then they hit adolescent, you have to stop raising the child. And hey, whatever inferior function development they got, that's what they get. Taylor Swift's parents did it right. They went out of their way to develop and raise her and raise her inferior function, which allowed her NI inferior to make choices and have freedom of choice such that she was able to choose to have a music career at an early age and get started early. And that has contributed vastly to her fame and her success today, okay? And uh, because of that, they she was basically properly raised, quite frankly. However, she was not properly taught. Because she was so successful and she had all this money, she had the appearance of responsibility, the appearance of wisdom when she was a teenager, but she lacked that phase in her development as Taylor Swift to develop her critic function because when a child reaches adolescent, they need to be taught. You need to stop, parents, you need to stop raising your child when they hit adolescence. You need to start teaching them. Treat them like adults. Treat them like they're responsible, okay? Like, if your child wants to have premarital sex, or if they want to have sex, let your child have sex, provided you give them a huge list of things to do first. Like, you better get a job, you better have your own car, you better pay your own insurance, you better have a plan, you better be out when you're 18, you better have all this stuff, right? Because, like, that's wiser than saying, okay, no sex, then they sneak around and you have a teen pregnancy on your hands. You know what I'm saying? Like, wow, they're going to have sex anyway. And it's statistically proven that teaching abstinence is actually bad. And it's not even biblical. Uh, I cite the book of Ruth for that, by the way. I also cite Matthew chapter 5, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Think about that for a second. But the point is, you guys just need to understand, like, you have to raise your children to, you know, get the inferior function and you have to teach your function to get the critic function. What does this have to do with cognitive focus? The thing is, though, in the nuclear family, everyone has needs to be met. And in my family, there was three people that needed to feel wanted. Do you think my dad's pessimistic NI parent was enough to make everyone in our family feel wanted? Think about that. He had any inferior, his wife, who was super sensitive. So obviously she would get all of the focus from him. So she took all of the willpower from my dad and there was none left for my sister and I. And then my sister and I turned to each other and it created this horrible sibling rivalry because we're getting all butthurt at each other because we're just trying to make each other feel wanted at all times. Oh, she doesn't want me. I remember complaining about that all the time as a child. And then and then like later, much later, she's like, oh, he never wanted me. You never wanted me to be your sister, et cetera. And I'm like, okay, wow, okay, yeah, this is making sense now, okay. Because we're NE users trying to get each other to want each other, right? So this is not a problem, okay? 
you know, like, um, think about that. Like, you know, by the way, I am so triggered by people that, uh, uh, you know, that, that, that people that claim that Boaz and Ruth didn't get it on before they got married. Like, you guys can all jump off a cliff. I'm sorry. And if you guys had, and you can verify that by reading the Song of Solomon, just so you know. And if you, and if you really, if you guys maintain that the Bible is the infallible Holy Word of God, you might want to go check your privilege. You know what I'm saying? Like, seriously, go check your belief privilege, you know, your, your privilege of belief there. You know what I'm saying? And, like, stop judging people for your, you know, bullshit church traditions. You know what I'm saying? I'm tired of it. I'm so tired of it, guys. How about, like, you actually understand how people should conduct themselves by applying critical thinking to your religious texts instead of expecting everybody else to live that way when you barely practice it yourselves? You hypocrites. I'm so tired of this. I am so sick and tired of this. So, anyway. So, yeah. Now, when you're in a family in this situation and needs aren't being met, all of a sudden it becomes way more expedient for external growth to occur. And the neural pathways and the cognitive gateways end up favoring external growth. Okay? They end up favoring external growth. And by the way, I'm not advocating sex without commitment. If you are a man, you do not have sex with a woman unless you're willing to die for her. That's the standard. Women, do not have sex with a man unless he is willing to die for you. It's not that hard. There's no greater love than when a man gives up his life for his beloved. I'm not advocating for, like, you know, free, meaningless sex. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying sex with commitment is a big deal, right? So with that being said... Uh, so yeah, as you can see here, guys, like, for example, this INTJ is in this family, uh, you know, he's got, he's got an ESFP for a mother, he's got an ISFP for a sister, and they're all looking for all loyalty from their ESFJ father, and the ESFJ father is giving that uh, to uh, the uh, ESFP mother, and she's taking it all for herself, and there's nothing left for the children. The INTJ in this example is trying to perform, but uh, the mother is taking all of the spotlight to be able to perform. The INTJ can't perform. The SE parent of his sister is trying to perform because it's literally a family of three wayfarers and one crusader in this nuclear family. Do you guys not see how dangerous the nuclear family is? Like, seriously, guys, there's not enough cognition to go around. This is why you must have a multi-generational family because if you're not willing to have more than one children per uh, parent in the family at least you have a multi-generational family we have many people living under one roof with multiple cognition available that way children don't feel unwanted or unloved or undertaught because guess what's going to happen if they do their neural pathways will start to develop towards people pleasing towards looking good the FITE form is looking good in front of others and managing other people's perceptions. The extroverted feeling version of that is known as people-pleasing. And they will become predisposed to people-pleasing or predisposed to managing perceptions and looking good instead of actually being good. You see what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's the point, guys. That's the point, okay? So, with that being said... You guys just really have to understand these concepts, okay? Because, you know, how is anyone going to be able to reach personal growth in their life uh, if they're so focused on external growth because their minds are literally in survival mode within their bullshit nuclear families? And they're constantly in survival mode and trying to get their needs met. 
And because they're in survival mode, they will have a cognitive focus in one way. Or because they are in thrival mode, their cognitive focus will go in another way. Let's look at it. Let's look at what's typical. Let's look at the typical example. Someone who is subconscious focused is thrival mode. Somebody who is shadow focused is survival mode. Um, so, you know what, I might actually just combine both of these in the same lecture because I'm just touching like on both points at the same time. So I may as well just be like, what is cognitive focus and just leave it at that because I'm, I'm, I'm covering everything here. So let's, let's actually just cover all of it. And uh, there's no reason to make another episode out of this because I already have the entire foundation built right here. So let's just go for it. You know what I'm saying? Let's just go for it. Might make the lecture a little bit longer, but we can get this nailed out. You know what I'm saying? So now that we understand how cognitive focus and where it actually comes from, cognitive focus comes from childhood, folks. And it comes from whether or not a child's needs are being met or if they're not being met. If a child is in thrival mode or if they are in survival mode. That's where cognitive focus comes from. Typically, being subconscious focused means you're in thrival mode. And that means, like, for example, uh, Taylor Swift, for example, she is very subconscious focused with her INTJ subconscious as an ESFP. Her parents gave her total freedom of choice to experiment and do whatever she wanted, basically. And her mother was probably an ESFJ, super loyal and uh, taking her places and trying to get her daughter to shine and whatnot and really focus on raising that inferior function. And then as a result, because of the neural pathways being used over and over and over and over again within the inferior function, she became subconscious focused. What does looking like subconscious focus mean? What does it look like for an INTJ? Well, guess what? They have a double helping of an I. They have primary and I and secondary and I. They have a double helping of TE. They have a double helping of FI. This is where FI child God complex comes from because they have two FIs to contend with that they access way more than their shadow. And they also are super mega competitive because they have two helpings of extroverted sensing. They have, uh, you know, so it ends up becoming like extroverted sensing uh, inferior plus uh, at, at, you know, at 25 frames a second plus the additional five frames a second uh, from the expert sensing, you know, on the other side, but it's actually kind of a hero. So it might actually be like way less frames a second, but I don't know the specific frames per second. I'll have to get with Dario Nardi to talk about how we can visualize that for everybody. But the point is, is that the, they have a double helping of these functions. And guess what? The INTJ who is subconscious focused while they are in thrival mode, they're kind of imbalanced. They're imbalanced. So this is why they overcompete. This is why they overshine. This is why they're overly in love with themselves. They are overly rational. This is why they're all about what they want, double helping of what they want, etc. Okay? So in this particular example, while this INTJ is thrival and at their absolute highest peak performance, well, they're kind of a little bit foolishness because wisdom comes from the shadow. You know what I'm saying? And if it's unhealthy, if it's disorderly, an expedient subconscious focus, they're coming off very arrogant, lacking humility. However, if they were raised properly and they were taught, if, they, if, if this INTJ was taught, for example, 
their TI uh, and raise their TI critic to develop their TE parent, then that wouldn't be happening. And they'd be subconscious focused with humility. So you could be subconscious focused with arrogance and pride, or you could be subconscious focused with humility. It just depends on the kinds of neural pathways that are built going through your cognitive gateways. Are they meaningful or are they expedient? Typically, the default is expedient, and it takes a lot of personal growth to get there, right? Now, for the shadow, okay, for the shadow, a little bit different. As shadow-focused INTJ, they're pretty balanced. They're pretty balanced in this particular example because they're not so focused on their performance. They're kind of like, okay, I have my performance, yeah, but then they also have the worries. They're not they're, you know, in there, and they're not very certain about things which causes them to be hopefully healthfully paranoid instead of like too paranoid. You know what I'm saying? And because they're too paranoid, uh, that could be, you know, a big problem for them because if it's an expedient cognitive transition, if it's expedient neural pathways built through expert intuition nemesis, then they're going to be overly worried essentially. And then by being early overly worried, they're going to make really dumb mistakes that's just going to cause them to become foolish and gullible. This is what causes INTJs to become gullible, basically. Um, so, yeah, that's what shadow focus looks like in an INTJ. How do you know who, uh, who is causing the focus where? You just look at what they spend most of their energy on. Does this person spend most of their energy on their expert sensing inferior? Does this person spend most of their energy on introverted thinking critic? What, what function in their eight function stacks do they focus most of their energy on? Which one is it? And it's usually one of these gateways, right? If someone's being overly paranoid, they're shadow. If, if an INJ is being overly paranoid, they're shadow focused. If an INJ is being overly prideful and very performance oriented, they're very subconscious focused. And, um, oh, kitty, kitty, kitty. Hi, kitty, kitty. Oh. Yes. Hi. Are you going to purr? Please? Please? Yes. Yes. All right. So, anyway. Yes, time to uh, lecture with the kitten. I've been doing that a lot recently. Um, so this is my INFP cat. Her name is Icicle. She's also known as Ice Princess or Icicles. She's very cute and she's very soft. Um, no, you jealous ENTP dog, no. So anyway, uh, yeah, she's probably best friends with Danae, you know, I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, the dog is so jealous right now. He's like, I want to be on camera. Uh, anyway, um, so so like I said, you could be cognitive focus, but are, is your cognitive focus based on thrival or is it based on survival? Okay, and your cognitive focus is really determined by is your needs met as a child. That's really uh, um, you know pet, pet a cat backwards, right? Um, so. Um, yeah, they, they know how life is, right? So nature versus nurture, guys, you have to understand that. You, in order to avoid the expedient cognitive, um, in order to avoid the expedient cognitive pathways, you have to take over your life and you have to make sure that you are developing your uphill battles with each of your functions. 
Cognitive focus is inevitable, and everybody's focused. Everyone's like, can I be ego-focused? And they're like, yeah, sort of, but not really. Ego, all ego focus is, is that you're kind of mid-range and you don't really, you're, we don't really just know exactly, we don't have enough data collected or haven't observed you enough to really determine if you are subconscious or shadow focused. But quite frankly, you are subconscious or shadow focused. There's not really a such thing as an ego focused person. There's not really a such thing as a super ego focused person. It looks like there is, but guys, I'm telling you there really isn't. Because the secondary role is taken over by the shadow and the subconscious. It's the ego and the superego, they're the primary roles. They take over the primary roles. And the superego can become primary. It doesn't mean they're superego focused. So when I say cognitive focus, it's most like cognitive secondary focus. That's what it actually means. It's a secondary trait. It's not a primary trait. Um, so, you know, it's... It's just something for you guys to, to be aware of, you know, as a result of how, of how things are. Um, so just, uh, just keep that in mind, okay? So yeah, um, so a little review. Uh, cognitive focus is impacted by nature versus nurture. It is developed through path, neural pathways being developed in a meaningful or expedient way through your cognitive gateways. And your focus is based on, you know, what gateways you develop the most, uh, and that will basically determine if you are shadow focused or subconscious focused, and what that uh, and that can be in thrival mode or survival mode, depending on whether or not your needs as a child were met, um, and that could be in a meaningful or expedient way. So for me, I'm shadow focused as an ENTP. So what I am as an ENTP, I uh, I was survival mode shadow for a long time because. I was not allowed to be an ENTP. I was not allowed to be a f pragmatic type in my very affiliative family because they had the majority, they had the gentleman's club, they had the old boys club, and I wasn't a part of it, and I was pragmatic. I wasn't allowed to trade Pokemon cards because, or, or do trades with other kids because I was manipulating the children, for example, even though eventually my parents let me do it, which was great. Uh, or at least it's mostly because I snuck it because, you know, pragmatic, right? I'm just gonna do what works, you know? And as a result of uh, as a result of that, yes, you're so cute and soft. You're my favorite kitty in the whole world. So she helps relieve stress. Um, so with that being said, are you gonna purr? Or are you just gonna sit here, perform as he trickster perform? Uh, so so yeah. Uh, so then you I did uh, okay. Where did, I, where did I leave off? I was like really super tangential because this cute cat is distracting. Um, so, yeah, you know, you're in, you're in thrival survival mode. You know, although over time I have remained shadow focused, but it's kind of turned in more of a thrival mode of shadow over time. Uh, you know, you can be in thrival or survival mode depending on what your cognitive focus is. But that depends on the kinds of neural pathways you have developed. Are they meaningful pathways or are they expedient pathways that are built through your, through your gateways? And what this basically means, I turned all of the pain in my life that caused me to become shadow focused into something that was useful. And then I was able to wisely not allow my pain to be wasted. And that's what allowed me to, be shadow, uh, to you know, go into thrival mode with my shadow, essentially. And, and then... Uh, so keep that in mind, you know, uh, the shadow, even, even if you're in survival mode, 
You know, I, my wife, for example, she was in survival mode, but she's subconscious focused. Also, remember for relationships, folks, you want to have a different cognitive focus with your spouse, for example. If you're shadow focused, then you want your, your spouse or your lover to be subconscious focused. Because subconscious focused, even if they're in survival or thrival mode, they are typically happier people. Shadow focused people are typically more responsible people. Uh, typically more wiser people, right? And those two things need to go together. You don't want to be in a relationship where you have double wise or double um, or double uh, happy or double fun, basically, because they're imbalanced, right? And imagine, you already know that someone who is ego, uh, who, is, uh, who is subconscious focused, they're already pretty imbalanced as it is. Um, and it's because they're leveraging that fun and that aspiration so much that having two people in the same relationship Imagine the insane amount of irresponsibility or lack of wisdom or foolishness that would ultimately take take place. Um, so keep that in mind. Candace, I recommend going to dictionary.com for that one. Um, uh, so um, thrival is like the opposite of survival. Survival means you're just trying to subsist. You're just trying to get through things. Thrival is like you're actually enjoying life, etc. Um, so... Uh, Basically, you can't really do much for them, Danae, other than just help them develop their cognitive gateways in a uh, meaningful way instead of an expedient way. So, yeah, he's a problem. Yeah. I don't want him in here when I'm lecturing anymore because <laughs> he makes a lot of noise. Um, it's, like, really annoying. Anyway, uh, kitty, kitty. Um, so... Yeah, Candace, just use the actual definition. It's all good. I, I gave like a loose definition um, as, it, as it is, but that's that's about it. So, um, okay. And uh, so, yeah. What else am I missing? I think I'm missing something. Let me look at my outline here. So many distractions. Okay, yeah. And that's the thing, guys, you know, this gets easier over time. The more neural pathways you develop, the easier it gets. The thing is, is that if you keep building uh, expedient pathways, it's going to become more expedient for you. If you keep building meaningful pathways, things are going to become more meaningful for you. And that's literally the difference. That's how you have to uh, live your life. You know, it's, it's super important. Uh, so keep that in mind. Yeah, that was the dog. Um, so please, please really focus on taking control of your life and not allowing external growth to get in the way of who you are because your cognitive focus the way you'll be adapting is you will either people please or you'll just be trying to making yourself look good instead of actually being good and i was guilty of both because intj shadow focus caused me to leverage the te of looking good instead of actually being good while simultaneously being people-pleasing through every child at the same exact time. That's a very dangerous combination. And again, in Western society, more people end up becoming shadow-focused than subconscious-focused because people are raised, uh, in, even in like Middle East, a lot better, even in Africa, a lot better, South America, a lot better than Western society, uh, and they're raised that way uh, to allow for their inferior function to aspire, and they're a lot happier. And usually it's meaningful such that their subconscious becomes thrival subconscious, you know, instead of survival subconscious, which honestly, survival subconscious does not really happen that much. Almost always, typically, it's survival shadow and thrival subconscious 
typically. It can be, there can be levels of abuse that cause uh, survival subconscious focus. And this happens because like you may be, you may be a kid with, um, where your mental needs are being met because there's a lot of people in your family, but you still, um, you still aren't being recognized. You're still missing a particular need, et cetera, of some kind. Or there's some kind of competition that you can't win as a child or the youngest in the family. So as a result, it becomes survival subconscious focus, even though the family is allowing you to develop your inferior function. So I know that kind of sounds like inconsistent a little bit, but this is basically the theory on paper. Um, uh, but like I said, like I can almost say the subconscious is basically just thrival and the shadow is basically just survival. However, the shadow can turn that survival mode into a thrival over time. But that's not to say the subconscious can't be in survival mode because it can. I mean, my wife was that way growing up. Uh, my cousin, my ISFP cousin was definitely that way growing up as well. Uh, so uh, it's just that, you know, like, oh yeah, I'm having my inferior function being met, but it's not, it's not good enough. It's kind of like, you know, a parent going to an ESTJ and it's like, okay, yeah, you did the work. Yeah, you achieved it, but did you actually earn it? Did you cut corners? Did you actually earn this achievement? Prove it. You know what I mean? That's that's kind of like you're stomping on the child's um, achievement, stomping on their inferior function while questioning whether or not they actually earned it in the first place, right? That's an example of survival mode subconscious focus, right? And what can happen, you know, as a result. So guys, keep that in mind. This is what cognitive focus is. This is how it develops. This is where it comes from. And like I said, how you're able to determine someone's cognitive focus, look at what functions they spend their energy on the most. Just spend a lot of time observing someone or taking someone in or experiencing someone and come to realize exactly uh, what, uh, they, um, what they do. In terms of using the type grid, uh, you would use cognitive axes analysis and cognitive orbit analysis to help you determine cognitive focus for somebody. And uh, it, that's, that's really subjective and it's very hard to quantify. And I'm not going to quantify that on this lecture. Uh, but the, that is how you do it, essentially. You just look at a person and look at which axes they're using the most. And you can like, for, another good way is like, Write down all of the names of the people of a certain type that you know, and then list out the differences between those people. And those differences will help you determine cognitive focus. That's another really easy way to determine cognitive focus and how to, and how to find out which it is. But again, it's basically, uh, or another way of looking at it is if they're, if they're overly insecure, they're subconscious focused. If they're overly aspirational, they're subconscious focused. If they're overly worried and uncertain, they're shadow focused, right? Or if they're way, way too certain, they're shadow focused, etc. That kind of thing. Uh, you got you to gotta balance it between fear uh, versus uncertainty. And those two things are not the same. They're not the same. Fear, fear in terms of insecurity. You got to look at it in terms of insecurity versus uncertainty. Those seem synonymous, but they're not. They're not synonymous. They're two separate words. People can be secure in themselves, but also be uncertain. People can be very certain, but still insecure in themselves. Okay, you guys gotta remember there's a complete distinction there. Using the word fear for insecurity, not exactly the best term to use. So just use insecurity to determine their insecurity. If they're super insecure, 
they're subconscious focused. If they're super worried or super uncertain, they are shadow focused. That's another basic way to tell. So, awesome. The shadow, well, kind of aspiring. It's more of the shadow just becoming more and more certain, right? Uh, it's all about certain. All the functions have these different modes, like the hero to the warrior, the teen to the parent, the child to the divine, the infant to the king, the 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 villain to the ally, the uh, the senile elder to uh, the wise grandparent, um, the trickster to the master, the demon to the angel. Right? That's immature to mature uh, uses of cognitive attitudes and development of cognitive attitudes in each of the cognitive functions. All right. So anyway, that concludes this lecture about what is cognitive focus. If you have any questions about cognitive focus, leave a comment below. Make sure you're subscribed and also leave, leave a like. And let's begin our Q&A session. So let's have a Q&A session relating to the content of this lecture only, guys, for the live lecture. Uh, please uh, keep that in mind. And then uh, let's, uh, let's go from there. So uh, we're an hour into this. What is cognitive focus? Season 17, episode 17, please list your questions in the live chat as I pet this very soft cat. All right, Candace is in the house. She says, ENTP that is insecure and full of anxiety or anger, uh, subconscious. Um, it depends. Do you, how do you know they're insecure? Is your, is your FI hero 100% they're insecure? And are they more insecure or more anxious uh, or uh, et cetera? Um, 3x systematic says yeah i go into my unconscious when i'm uncomfortable with whatever is happening walter says amazing lecture um and uh john bodine says does the presence of rage indicate the necessary appearance of the superego p.s your monologue rants are the greatest thanks john uh usually rage is attached to an extroverted sensing function so you can't necessarily say that's indication of a superego however it is an indication of me being in my superego absolutely and I get very ragey when all of my loyalty goes to waste and I'm not being allowed to be comfortable, for example. So Durian grew. So basically subconscious focus, colon, F-E, fed, but not wanted or listened, then insecure of self-worth. Kind of. That's assuming expedient neural pathways through the gateways. Well, it would not be that if it's meaningful pathways being developed, Durian. Therefore, more caring INTP uh, presenting almost look like INFJ. Yes. Yes, technically, it is possible. Um, hi, kitty. Hi, kitty, kitty. But again, like INTP versus INFJ, someone cares about performance, the other person doesn't care about performance whatsoever. So think about it that way. Uh, Vastilio asks, can someone get fears and insecurity from their parent function as well? No, it's, that mostly happens because the parent function isn't there to take care of the infant or the child. Sometimes the child is stealing all the spotlight or the attention from the infant, or the infant is stealing all the spotlight from the child. And the parent needs to get in there and basically take care of the children, essentially. So regarding cognitive focus within couples, is it better for only one of them to be sub-focused and aspiring? No, they could both aspire. Okay, look, Marcelino, being subconscious focused doesn't mean that you aspire. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean you're aspiring. It doesn't mean you're even developing 
your inferior function. It's not, it does not necessarily mean that. You can be shadow focused and working on aspiring with your SI inferior. I do that all the time. Okay, so that doesn't mean that. It's not binary like that. It's a dynamic. Okay, it's not static. Does that make more sense? Yes, purring, kitty, kitty, kitty. Are you purring? Yes, kitty, kitty, kitty. Oh, hi, kitty. Any questions? Marcelino, follow up on that one. All right. I will start breaking out in song in a moment, and I will sing, rolling, 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 rolling. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, cool. I'm glad. I'm glad. If, yeah, that's that works for you, Marcelino. Awesome. Okay. Well, if no one has any questions uh, within the next twenty seconds, I'm going to go ahead and close the lecture. Thank you all for the questions. Last call for questions, guys. Here we go. As I continue to pet the kitty, 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 kitty. Wow, you are purring up a storm. You're a little purr monster. All right, one follow-up, go ahead. Go ahead, type fast, please. Feel the pressure, feel the pressure, Marcelino. <laughs> no, don't feel the pressure. Actually, yes, please do, but don't, don't really. I, but yes, but don't, as I call your transition there between my ego and my superego, right? Um, all right, Candace is in the house. Does being shadow-focused make you attracted to types you aren't supposed to be? It can, from a camaraderie standpoint, uh, being shadow focused, for example, the superego type, uh, if you're very shadow focused, you are at risk of being in a superego relationship, which is what I don't recommend, and that's exactly what happened to me. Thank you for asking that question, Candace. That was excellent. Uh, Durian Grew uh, says, funny, because to feed self-worth for INTP, need to develop personal philosophy, and that is the demon no, developing personal philosophies for the INFP, bro. To feed the self-worth for an INTP, you need to focus on helping other people and getting recognition for your contributions to others. Um, 3X Systematic asks, so what would a survival subconscious look like for an INTP? It would basically be the ultimate doormat uh, and going out of your way that your life is literally people-pleasing and you live and die emotionally based on whether or not anyone likes you, essentially. That is a survival mode subconscious where you believe that your the amount of support you give to other people is the only thing that gives your life worth or meaning, etc. And that's very horrible uh, for an ESFJ uh, subconscious. Okay. And where, oh, there's Marcelino. If one person is a sub-focused and the other is unconscious-focused, will they switch focus back and forth as time goes on, or can they both end up with the same focus? Because cognitive focus is primarily decided uh, in amongst as a result of your childhood, I'm going to say not likely, extremely unlikely. It's, it is possible that quarter-life crisis and midlife crisis can actually change your cognitive focus. It is possible, but extremely rare. Like less than 1%, I would estimate, if I was going to estimate, less than 1%, extremely rare. So I don't really think that would be much of a problem for you, Marcelino, quite honestly. Uh, so, um, 
So they wouldn't really change into that focus because uh, when you get into a relationship where someone is unconscious focused and while another person is subconscious focused, the way that they feed into each other and meet each other's needs actually makes those cognitive foci stronger over time and allows them to use those mental sides of their mind as a secondary role uh, more uh, uh, in a more frequent manner. Uh, so I, I hope that answers your question. Uh, 3x systematics says makes sense in comparison to my childhood. That's probably why I dislike my subconscious. Fair enough. But to be fair, 3x, you are a very helpful person, and I really appreciate everything you do for us, even if it is criticizing how terrible our website is to our face. But you also offer recommendations uh, on how to fix it, which I also appreciate as well. Keep the criticism coming. The thing is, is that I think you've just realized that instead of just straight up helping people, criticizing people is also a form of help, and engaging in negative help can be useful as well. So... And Marcelina responds with, oh, that's dope. Okay, we are closing this live stream in 20 seconds. So uh, their last call. Walter says, my right eye is crying for a time by now. Hmm, love the platform and the work being done at all the time, Chase. Yeah, you're welcome. Emily is in the house. If your parent is your subconscious, would that affect what you focus on? Yes, absolutely it would. Uh, because then you'd be competing for the same needs. Uh, let's say if you were an INTJ, for example, and they're an ESFP, uh, then they would be trying to take the role of performer in the family, take the role of decision maker, take the role of my mood is more important than your mood, my research and what I know is more important than what you know, and that's just it. I'm more important than you get over it, right? And that can put a child into shadow focus, and it supports survival mode shadow focus for sure because of that competition. This is why the nuclear family is bad and multi-generational families are good because multi-generational families protects children from that happening because there's multiple people in the family with which they can get close to based on their mental compatibility needs because camaraderie will only go so far. Camaraderie does not meet a emotional need, just so you know. Um, I will try to take a vacation from my health. Um, Durian, again, beg for attention, possible snowball effect, serve for recognition in a world where you hope you're looked down at or angry, uh, foeing and arrogance and secret you all mode horror. Michael Knight asks, what would a survival versus thrival shadow focused ENTP look like, or INTP look like? I believe I'm shadow focused INTP, but not sure what that would look like survival versus thrival. A survival one would make one very demanding, very dominating and domineering over other people. Uh, also, um, they think themselves so much smarter than everyone else uh, that they also, they often have the power of life and death. An example of a shadow-focused survival mode INTP uh, is uh, Bill Gates, for example. He's a Malthusian. Uh, he, he believes in depopulation of the planet. I just wish he would depopulate himself first. And as a result... Uh, his ENTJ shadow is entitled to being this Napoleonic figure for the world where he gets the opportunity to choose between life and death for others because he's literally elected himself that leader because he's that arrogant and that conceited because that's what, then that's what happens when survival mode shadow happens for INTP, for example. Thrival mode INTP is that an INTP is willing to take charge for the sake of others, for the sake of efficiency, for the sake of effectiveness, for the sake of finding the best way to do something 
for the benefit of other people's futures or the benefit of uh, making other people, uh, for the benefit of helping others and improving others, etc. Uh, that's an example of that. Um, so yeah, awesome. Well, that's it for uh, questions, folks. That's 15 minutes of Q&A time. Thank you all for coming to our live lecture for gold members. This lecture will be posted uh, publicly and made available on the YouTube channel uh, momentarily. Thank you all for coming. Uh, thank you for uh, everything uh, and thank you for your financial support. I hope you guys enjoyed the new ESTP lecture. The ENTP lecture will be posted for gold very shortly, uh, how to parent ENTJs. And uh, we also have a new season 22 episode dropping tomorrow night as well. And I'm gonna be filming some more of CS Joseph Responds. So uh, thank you all for watching and thank you all for coming and I'll see you guys tonight.